Well, this morning, um, you have possibly a trying time ahead of you. Um, this is a message that some people um, may not anticipate during a family service. And it's for those who like to take notes and for those who like to put a title on it um, for the podcast for the church website, the title of today's message is Complaining for Jesus. Father, I just want to take a moment before we dive into your word and before we dive into this message to honor your son Jesus Christ above all else, that his name would sound out above everything and above everyone that's been on front of stage today, that, Father, that your kingdom would come, that, Lord Jesus, your kingdom would be expanded here in Taupo, in the Waikato, in New Zealand, and in the world beyond, and that, Father, that we would not only be agents of change for your kingdom, that we would not only be your banner men and women carrying forward your word, but, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way to the utmost of the skills and abilities you've placed in each of us, that the name of Jesus Christ would shine out above everything else. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that enables us to be here and to live so freely today. Amen. We're going to dive straight in, so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and pop open to Acts chapter 6, which is where our text comes from today, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what do we have here? Got a set of complainers, but they're righteous complainers. The widows are being overlooked, and it doesn't take very much thought to think about what Jesus says about widows, about the orphans, and how he might feel about the situation. Widows and orphans are to be a primary concern to the church. But why are they really complaining? We need to look beyond what just the surface is. They recognize that there is an injustice. An injustice is taking place here. And it hasn't been corrected. It's been allowed to continue for some time. And so before it's allowed to continue any longer, the Hellenistic Jews raise their voices, interrupt the apostles out of their daily routine, and say, hey, this needs your attention. We have to think about what we're really complaining about when we have a complaint. Is it something that's fairly trivial? Is it something out of our sphere of influence? Are we simply complaining about something that we want, or is it something that we really need? Is it something that 
really has a place in our life. In this case, the ones speaking up recognize an injustice in their midst, and they are not about to let it continue. Praise Jesus for the activist. At this point, we remember Acts chapter 2, just a few chapters before, in verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, here we see the disciples, the believers, the family, the church, they had everything in common. They ate together, they were clothed, they had their needs looked after, and they're making their way through life, but just a little bit later, a few chapters later in Acts 6, here we are, widows being overlooked. One of the most vulnerable groups in their midst is suddenly not being taken care of. And in reflection, we know that's bound to happen. We're only human after all, and we're bound to stuff something up. But the bigger lesson for us here is how the apostles dealt with the situation. They called the believers together. They doubled down and said, hey, we're here to preach the word of God. So choose from within you seven who are full of the spirit and of wisdom. As they did this, the apostles gave us an extreme prime example of how the current church should continue to follow this example of choosing not only deacons, elders, different leaders. It's something that is not only for the church 2,000 years ago. It should really guide us at any stage of our life. As you read through the list of men chosen to fulfill the task, if you get into the background and recognize the origins, which we can tell based on the names given here, we can find that these seven men chosen are actually out of the Hellenist camp. Some of the people chosen to fulfill this duty are some of the ones complaining. So the lesson for us, something here to take out of this. Maybe it speaks to the spiritual maturity of the group. Maybe it speaks hidden statistics that there just happened to be more Hellenist than the Hebraic Jews, and so to keep things going their way, they thought, we'll put our guys in power, and so they voted for seven of their buddies. Pure speculation. We have no way of knowing, but what we are sure of is that the apostles gave us an example that should continue to stand as a lesson for us today. That measure of the spirit that has been given to each of us and enables us to act upon and show the fruits of the spirit that Galatians 5, 23 speaks about. Those fruits include love, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. All of these are expressed when we look after the widowed, the orphans, the ill, the infirmed, and anyone else who suffers or has a sincere lack, a lack that negatively affects their quality of life. And yes, it does extend beyond. It does extend beyond humanity. 
This is totally tied into that first task as assigned to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. But Genesis 1.28 doesn't only speak of faithfulness as measured by how many children that we bring into the world. It's out of the overflow of the Spirit inside of us that we're able to recognize an issue, that we're able to call out an injustice when we see it. It's what helps, calls us to lose sleep when there's a situation or a conversation that demeans someone around us or puts down a situation that shouldn't be allowed to continue. Or when something is happening that destroys the planet around us, the good earth that God gave us. As Christ ambassadors in our journey to be more Christ-like and to love our neighbors around us, we get to complain for Jesus, not for the sake of hearing ourselves speak, but to help bring your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So as our year 13 students really start to get into this process of weeding through degree programs and choosing their universities, Auckland's way, way down the list. As some of us evaluate looming job and career moves that we should or need to take, how can a lesson of complaining for Jesus guide us? How do we build community when we're complaining? Well, first I'd suggest that we evaluate the situation that's really pricked our senses. Is it something that we can directly influence? Can we go join Greening Taupo and plant a thousand trees down the bike path down at Spa Park? Is it something that is beyond our control and we can be a voice for? Signing a petition, posting something on our social media, going around canvassing our neighborhoods, getting support for an issue. We need to evaluate why it's upsetting us. Is it something simply annoying us, like someone scuffing their feet constantly? Is it just something against a preference, the way that we like our tea or our coffee? Or is it something that's violating the moral, the spiritual, the ethical principles that we believe in and that we hold dearly to? After some evaluation, it's time to consult with the leaders around us, with the elders, if it's related to church or if there's an issue that the church can assist with, possibly speaking to professionals, experts, organizations that have already been working in this area of concern. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. And nor should we falsely believe that we're the only person who really knows how to fix an issue. We have to stay aware, thirdly, of our sensitivity. We should never turn a blind eye to a situation that goes against God's word or harms his creation. However, we do need to recognize the limits of our strength, of our time, of our finances. We cannot help anyone, as I have dutifully found out after several Easter Fest and some other events um, that I've been involved in. You can't help anyone if you fully exhaust yourself, if you don't eat and drink and keep yourself rehydrated along the way. If we abandon our families or our jobs to simply go out and try and help make something else better, what harm are we causing in that path? There's a balance, and we need to seek that balance. Now, the apostles assigned a multitude of people to address this issue. We can be certain it's not only a reflection of the scale of the issue, but it's also 
reflecting that team, that community, that body nature of the church, the body of Christ. There's only one task in all of history that was assigned to one person where only that one person could carry it out to fruition. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even then, even in his ministry, he was given a team of disciples to help affect this calling. And the church today is still no different. Any other example in the Bible you can think of, Moses, David, any other example, every lesson we teach our kids about could have a different name attached to it. It's all interchangeable if one part of the body doesn't fully step up to where it's been called. Now, there are issues right here in Talpo, even aspects of our church life here at Talpo Baptist that require teamwork. There's some in your newsletter today. If you don't have a newsletter, if you normally just kind of tuck it away on the table as soon as you get back inside your home on the hallway, I encourage you to look through. There's several things in there that we really do need a few people to step up and take half an hour out of their week to help with. There are some things that need to be addressed that you may have seen, you may have heard of, but for one reason or another, you may not have done something. The challenge for each of us today, the challenge for myself as I reflect on my time here joining Talpa Baptist, is whether we're going to be a complainer, even a silent one who may not audibly be heard, or if we're going to be a complainer for Jesus. If we're motivated to see the kingdom of God advanced, if we're looking for the gospel of Jesus to shine through our life's actions. These pants, I'll step up to let you see. Um, these pants are now my complaining pants. Um, you'll see this pristine, white, permanent paint um, that if you took a sample of would match the paint currently marking the parking lot. Um, just before Easterfest, um, the week-long event we do here in Talpo now for uh, three years running, I needed a little bit of a mental break on a Sunday afternoon. And so Jackie had gone ahead and ordered the spray paint, 12 nice big old cans of the spray paint for the lot, and the wand to make everything go. And I said, all right, laptop closed, time to paint the parking lot, I need a break. Before that day, these were my best jeans. They were originally 189 US dollars from Banana Republic. I got them on sale after Christmas with like a 40% extra coupon, so I got them for like 35 bucks. So it really doesn't matter, but they're a reminder. I complained over the last three years to myself, spoke up a little bit to a few people around the church that when it rains at night and you show up for prayer or you show up for youth group, you could not park in this parking lot to save your life. There was just about no place you could solidly park unless you parked up against the rental house. And typically, we would park where nobody else could get in behind us, and so there's only one spot instead of two. Back in the States last year, I saw devastation wrecking through Texas. Um, there was nonstop media coverage when the hurricanes came through. And then I got videos directly from some of my friends living in complexes as they are trying to carry their belongings up stairwells to get to the second, to the third, to the fourth floor to escape the floodwaters that were ravaging the Houston area. I pretty much called my boss and was on the verge of quitting on the spot and saying, see you later, I'm going down. My mom's from around the Houston area, and so it 
touched a little bit of me more so than just the devastation. And so I was going to go down. I saw this ad for a Christian emergency relief organization. And we were going to go down and muck people's houses out, rip out the carpet, clear out the jib and the drywall to make sure that stuff didn't turn moldy and um, infest the homes. But my outreach co-leader at my home church offered to help organize a team if I could cool the jets just a little bit and wait just a few weeks. So we organized a team. We got funding so that all of our expenses there and back again would be covered. None of our team would need to be out of pocket for anything for our journey 1,700 miles to Texas. We made an impact in those three days, far more of an impact as a team of seven than I could have gone by myself for two or three weeks. We grew, we met, we prayed with and cried or encouraged people that we never knew before and most likely we're not going to see many of them ever again. But that wouldn't have happened if I alone had gone off gallivanting thinking that I was going to save the day by my lonesome trying to solve this thing that was stirring me to action. I thank God to this point, and I will continue, for allowing me to lead that team, for the people that I got to work alongside, for people from nine different countries who flew to Texas just to be there and to help scrape people's carpets and to help clear out jib board. There's so much love exhibited in those moments. There's so much that comes out of the fruits of those ministry, and thankfully we get to see some of that already ripening with that um, emergency relief organization now having made partnerships going back and they're rebuilding homes. They've built more homes and put more people back in their homes through this Christian relief organization with 4,000 volunteers than the federal emergency management team has since the hurricane hit by a ratio of two to one. Now, here at the Baptist, we have community meals on Mondays that you can help with from 4 to 6.30. You could potentially do something to help with the housing crisis currently going on in the region, especially as this winter is dragging on. You could help with the building maintenance team. I mean, there's a few spots that I need somebody to hold a ladder for so we can cover up some of these old access holes. You can listen with Girls Brigade and Icon's announcements. Guys, August 3rd is when Icon starts. We've got a few guys who've stepped up and said, I'll come for an hour and a half on Fridays and be a set of helpers, but we need more. We're going to help right now with ages 8 to 12, but we've got boys that are 13 to 17 that want the ICONS program, but we don't have enough guys to do that program. So you can let us know if you're interested in giving us 90 minutes on a Friday afternoon to help us make the ICONS program happen for more boys in the neighborhood and in this area. As the Bulletin highlights, we need help with some of the communion or offering or cleaning teams. There's a variety of things. And you can help with your finances. It is not a cop-out to avoid doing some manual work. Just by the way, if anybody says, oh, well, you just don't want to get your hands dirty. It takes time, talent, and treasure to see all these things through in one way or another. Some of us may not be physically or mentally skilled or able to help in some areas, but we each can contribute in some way. Ask those around you that you trust to help show you how you can help. Or if you're unsure, you can pop by the church office Monday through Friday, and one of the admin assistants or Jackie will be happy to let you know what we have needs for that week. 
Let's not forget, as we begin to wrap up the service, and if the youth band could come back up front for our final song, please. Let's not forget Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So even when we have something to complain about, we should give thanks for the things that we do have. We should give thanks for the spirit within us that reveals injustice, that reveal opportunities for us to help serve back in the community around us. And at the utmost, we need to thank God for his son Jesus and that he died for us, a bunch of complainers. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for this word that you've impressed on my heart to bring to the church for a couple of months now. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to the church and to grow with this body and the calling that you've laid upon me and the church. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to have a family service, to have youth and children come celebrate the name of Jesus, to talk about the history that you've laid down, that we live in a free society, that we live in a place where we can openly come to a building by the hundreds, week after week after week. We don't have to hide our vehicles and keep track of who parks where to come into a hidden church. We don't have to memorize turns in a sewer to access a, a hidden room or a cavern to be able to praise your name. We can do it here, in the now, openly with all of our brothers and sisters, and we can invite those around us to join in that freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Amen.